My name is Sarah Inglis, and I'm a certified integrative health coach. I help people thrive in their bodies and reclaim the health they've always wanted. Each week, I interview people who have a passion for health. You'll hear from health experts, farmers, herbalists, doctors, chefs, and many more. My hope is that they'll inspire us all to tune into our gut and notice how lifestyle and food impact us. Today, I'm having a conversation with my friend, Teresa Garvin, who is a licensed social worker, a transformational coach, and the owner and founder of The Life You Imagine. Teresa has been providing psychotherapy services to children, teens, adults, and families for over 35 years. After seeing the positive and rapid changes in her own life from transformational coaching, she became certified as a Life Mastery Consultant in 2020 and has been providing coaching to adults since then. After sharing with one another that we both have ADHD, Teresa recommended that I read the book, A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD by Sari Solden, who pioneered working with women in ADHD, and Michelle Frank. Not only is this book a comprehensive guide for women with ADHD to increase their understanding and self-acceptance, but Solden and Frank also take the reader through an action plan for women with ADHD to identify and pursue their dreams. This book affirmed for both Teresa and me why we love our work as coaches. Although Teresa helps adults and families decide what they want to transform in four main areas of their life, while I help people to create and take action on a vision for their health, we both provide principles, practices, support, and guidance for our clients to create powerful results in their lives, which they absolutely love. I am very excited today to be talking with one of my good friends and fellow coaches. She's, it's Teresa Garvin here with me today, and she's a transformational life coach. And we have something in common besides coaching, which has been such an interesting conversation that we want to share with you. Absolutely. I am, I am self-diagnosed myself as having ADHD. I do have two kids who have ADHD, and so I did that quick and dirty test, <laughs> and they I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think half my family of origin has it, too, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Teresa. Well, you want me to jump in? I'm also self-diagnosed. Not self-diagnosed. I started off self-diagnosing over 20 years ago, but it was because my kids were getting diagnosed at a place called the Hollowell Center in Sudbury, Massachusetts. And every symptom that they had that fit the diagnosis, I realized that both my husband and I also have. So we have a family of five of us and every single one of us fits the criteria for different types of ADHD, but we all fall under that umbrella. So, so yes, I, I have it and three of our adult kids have it as well as my husband. So. You're a good company, Sarah, and thank you for inviting me here today. I think it's a great conversation that we're going to have. Being an ADHD lover myself, <laughs> your family has to be one of the most interesting families, oh. for sure, on your walk, if not in your whole community. <laughs> they think so. Thank you. <laughs> 
I mean, I read Hollowell's book when one of my children was diagnosed to find out, okay, what's this all about? But could you just, for the listeners, just in a, a nutshell, if that's possible, say, what is ADHD? And I thought it was interesting that that's what it's called now, too. Sure. I'll give you a little clip on that, because even before I worked at the Hollowell Center, I've been uh, doing psychotherapy since about 1988, and I've worked with lots of people with ADHD. So... It's been something I've been learning about since back then. And so they've changed the name in the Diagnostic Statistic Manual for over the years. And so it used to be called ADD with hyperactivity or ADHD or ADD without hyperactivity or ADD combined. And then when the DSM-4, I think it came out with the 4, they changed it to AD, everybody was going to be ADHD. Or maybe that was the DSM-5. So they decided that everybody would carry this diagnosis who had these symptoms of being called ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and then in parentheses, they would either be ADHD with hyperactivity or impulsivity, or the other one would be with inattention only, it's called primarily inattentive, and then the third one is combined. I'm not sure why they made this change, but people who are as old as me and Ned Hollowell have had a hard time changing our brains to say ADHD because I still think the first way was better because people who don't have the impulsivity or hyperactivity don't like to say the H in ADHD because they don't feel it applies to them. Nevertheless, that's how it's diagnosed in the medical world today, so that's how I'm going to refer to it today. So those are the three, the three different types of ADHD. You, everybody's ADHD either you know, with hyperactivity, primarily inattentive, or combined. So mine's inattentive, by the way. Mine's primarily inattentive. A lot of women are primarily inattentive type. Yeah, I think I'm inattentive. Definitely one of my daughters is, has the H. I yes. remember. This is great when she was young. We lived on a dead-end street, uh, on a really busy street, and then a lane that was a dead-end. And she'd be so wound up. I'd say, hey, why don't you run down to the end of the street and back? Stung, <laughs> she was off. And then she'd come in, Mom, I did it. I said, well, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had good strategies. Running from here to here. Loved it. <laughs> well, one of my, one of my um, daughters has the HD part of it, too, the hyperactivity. And I remember when she was two thinking, is this really just a fast-moving toddler? Because she would be in and out of things so quickly and so nonstop, and then she would just collapse at the end of the day. So that's so. Just to answer your question about what is it? It's a cluster of symptoms that you know results in people having a difficult time sustaining attention, especially with things that they don't find interesting. To get started, to get finished, and stay on task, those can be challenging. They sometimes have executive function issues that they don't measure the passing of time the way the rest of the world does. And if they have the hyperactivity impulsivity part, they might be very restless and have a hard time sitting still in their seat, be moving their bodies around all the time, and do things without thinking, including um, excessive talking and maybe just physically reacting to people in ways that people don't love. So those are the ones that, especially as kids that get uh, recognized and diagnosed quickly, are the ones that have ADHD with a, a hyperactivity or that have it with both, the combined type. The inattentive people, male and female with ADHD, are often missed. And the last thing I want to say about 
you know, if you have the cluster of symptoms that I think this came from Russell Barkley, who said, it's not that you can't pay attention if you have ADHD. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions that often we have this idea or belief that if you have ADHD, you just can never pay attention to anything. And it's very not true. The hallmark, hallmark of ADHD is that it's, you're consistently inconsistent in what you can pay attention to. And so it's really the in, um, inability to control your attention span over time for things that aren't of interest to you. So when it's of interest to you, you could probably maintain your attention span for a long time. But other people, when they get bored, can still hold their attention span and stay on task and complete things in a, in a certain period of time. People with ADHD really struggle with that. Yeah, I especially noticed that on Zoom. Yes. When I was teaching, but also just myself. And I'm looking around at everybody else in the Zoom room and I'm going, hmm, no, maybe I have some of the H, but nobody else is fidgeting. And they're all like, I can tell they're focused. I'm not focused. Sometimes that people are doing things you can't see on the screen. Like if they have fidget things, like right now you can't see oh, my right. hands, right? So if I'm fidgeting with something underneath the table where I'm sitting, you would never know that. And sometimes, especially for adults, if they have the ability to stay focused by having a fidget toy or something to use their hands to keep their bodies like in motion, that might help them very much with their attention span. You know, it does with kids, but often kids need a little bit more than that. Like those mm -hmm. exercise breaks or movement breaks or recess. And they need to have more things be engaging in the Zoom classrooms. Right? Yes, novelty. Yes, Well, novelty. that's true for all of us, though. Quite frankly, I just want to put it out there for ADHD students, having been a teacher just for... <laughs> And that is, you know, you have to create novelty, but we do know that that's important for everybody's brain to keep that's an true. audience engaged. You have to have novelty. Otherwise, they're going to fall asleep, even if they don't have ADHD. That's true. That's true. So, so my ADHD got diagnosed probably 20 years ago. And, and so I've read a lot of the books, but the reason why you and I wanted to make this podcast... Yeah is because Sari Solden, who's written a bunch of books on women in ADHD, wrote a, a new one a few years ago, and this one is called Women in ADHD by Sari Solden and Michelle Frank. And you and I both read it and both absolutely not only resonated with what's in this book, but really were able to apply so much of what Sari talked about with our work as coaches. Right. Because we do different kinds right. of coaching, but it's very applicable to the ADHD population. And so that's what got us so interested in wanting to talk about it with everybody today. Right. Do you feel overwhelmed with the thought of transforming your health? If the idea of creating a balanced diet, managing stress and forming new sleep patterns stresses you out, don't worry. I am here to help. As an experienced integrative health coach, I can help you develop signature health strategies that work for your lifestyles and goals. After working with me, my clients have lost weight, improved their sleep, and reversed lifestyle diseases. I'm offering three free strategy sessions before the end of the month. Click the link in the description of this podcast to book yours today. 
Yeah, it just, I, it really, I'm so glad that you recommended it to me. Not only did I learn a lot about myself, these characteristics of ADHD that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. I just thought it was, I'm just not good enough in certain things. Or Yes, that was what, how you used to feel, you mean, before you diagnosed yourself? Yeah, before I read this book. I mean, the big ones for me were the time blindness, asking for support. Well, it's quite a list. Hiding. <laughs> Hiding. Yep. Hiding, inconsistent, of course, but but I love this book is so good because it is written in everyday terminology. It's written about life. It's not that's right. Written with it's right. not clinical. It's not clinical. That's the right word. But also the way she relates it to the way we both coach using a vision. Oh, that's what I loved. I know. That, those were some of my big takeaways is that Sari Solden is also a therapist who has ADHD and she's written other books about it. <clears throat> but this was my favorite of her books because she really, in my opinion, she really embraced what I think are some of the key ingredients to being a woman specifically with ADHD because so many women have been missed over the years. And the reason is because we can mask it really well. So if we don't have the hyperactive or combined type of ADHD and we're just inattentive and have a hard time starting or finishing things or staying on task, we tend to, as, as a species, <laughs> women tend to overcompensate by whatever their weaknesses are. And we also tend to hide the challenges we have with ADHD. So if I have a messy house or I'm not good at organized about paying my bills or I'm not a great cook, because it's too hard for me to master all the steps in cooking, whatever, I'm not going to readily share that with other people mm -hmm. if I haven't been diagnosed, right? And right. you gave a great example about how hard it is to ask for help, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, we were talking right before we started recording how I was writing a newsletter today, and I really wanted to put this great visual uh, picture in the newsletter, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. Now, I could have reached out for help. There's somebody I could have reached out to. Um, but I immediately went, went into my, I don't want to bother her, number one. And you could figure it out if you had more time, maybe if you'd done this ahead of time. That's another one. Yes. And uh, so I didn't reach out. I didn't even try. That's the point. It's yes. like, I didn't even try. I could have texted her and she could have chosen not seen the text or chosen not to respond like, hey, right. I, I'm busy. But I didn't even try, which is interesting, right? Yeah, that's that, my go-to. Yeah, and that's why I love Sari's book, because I feel like she did a great job of taking all of the shame that women with ADHD often feel. And not only the shame, but the blame and the, what you said in the beginning of our talk today about feeling like you're just not good enough or why can't mm -hmm. I do what other people do? Why is it so hard for me? Why can't I be on time? Those kinds of things. I was running um, a spouses of ADHD. They were spouses of ADHDers. And I ran it for about 10 years. And, and one day, one of the women came in. And I used to self-proclaim, I have it. My husband has it. So you're getting a two-for-one deal when you have me as your therapist. <laughs> but one of the women came in and she said, Teresa, did you ever think about just setting your clock 10 minutes a little earlier or like setting an alarm? And I said, oh, gosh, I never... Th 
and I was very sarcastic when I said, geez, I never thought of that. Of course I thought of that. <laughs> I said, to her, but then you are all they are. All, right. all the clocks in my house, exactly. by the way. Exactly. Exactly. Every and single one yeah. on the stove, yes. the microwave. Yes. I've They're done every trick. Five minutes ahead of time. Every time trick there is. I've set alarms. I've gone to bed early. I've done all of those things. But, and I said to her, what your spouses and the rest of the group that day, I said, what all of your spouses get so frustrated that you don't understand is that you can ask that question, which shows that what you're not getting is that the ability to measure the passing of time is a missing link in our brain. We can't help it. We're not character flawed. We just don't have something that measures the passing of time accurately the way non-ADHD people have it, right? Same thing with getting organized. Like we don't, our brains aren't wired to go in that direction. So when I read Sari's book, what really resonated for me the most was that what she wrote about in here is very much what I discovered and why I switched after thir over 30 years of doing psychotherapy. I found a transformational coaching program that kept my interest and my motivation so high, so much of the time, unlike any ADHD intervention I'd ever tried. I had had executive function coaching. I had had therapists who were specializing in ADHD. I had had medication. And all of those things helped me, don't get me wrong. They were all very good tools. But doing vision work and really figuring out in advance what do I really care the most about? What do I want the most in my life in all these different areas, in my health, in my relationships, in my time mm. and money, and what am I in my vocation, like all of that? Vocation. What do I really care the most about? And so the more I started working on my own vision, I couldn't get enough of the learning because I'm so interested in it. And then as I started to share with my psychotherapy clients, some of them really resonated and wanted to do it with me and had amazing results, way faster than any therapy I'd ever done. And it was especially mm -hmm. those people and especially females with ADHD, but even a lot of the males I work with have had such enormous results so quickly by doing this coaching, this transformational coaching, which is very much in alignment with what you do. And so Sari's book really talks she doesn't call it transformational coaching, but she's talking about the laws and principles that guide transformation and what a good fit this is for the ADHD brain. Because who, as you said to me before the podcast, who doesn't like dreaming, right? Daydreaming. That's just it. It's, it's just so much fun. And when I've introduced it to clients, it's just they are, and I go beyond help because our lives are interrelated. And the gut obviously is a perfect metaphor for that because it affects your mood. It affects, you know, your hormones. It affects your, you know, health. I mean, your energy levels, your cognitive, I mean, everything. Absolutely. Having pain, chronic pain. So, yeah, it's interesting to watch them. I, I love it to be able to share it, right? Because... Yes. Their eyes light up. It's like, whoa, this is great. Yeah, they enjoy it. It's something that you yeah. want. They, yeah. they Instead of going to a, their typical health coach who's going to now give them recipes they don't want to cook or don't know how to cook, right? Or tell, tell them that you have to do it this way. 
How does you, how does your kind of coaching differ from that? Well, I they have to like. I mean, it has to fit their lifestyle first of all. And does it fit? What are their? I mean, what the vision does is it anchors it, right? I mean, that's the way I look yeah. at it for the type of coaching I do. So, is this going to get you move you towards the way that you want to feel? Yes. You know, it's just the way you want to be. But what does that look like? Yes. I mean, of course, many people want to lose weight or they want to get rid of bloating or they don't want to be constant. Constipation is a big one. Yeah. Many, many people. Right? Yes. And that's, but what does that mean when you get rid of it? What will your life look like? So it it gives some, because it it isn't easy. Yes. You know, it takes a lot of, it is rigorous and takes persistence. But it's fun to coach, to guide them because I can hold their hand. Yes. But yeah, by the time they're, they spend time with me, they have tools. And I, you know, would, then, I would guess at the end they feel great because they probably also have a strong why they want this. Like, why do they even want to have better health? Because they want to be able to do all kinds of other things, right? If they had. Well, I, I would say the people who had the most success, what's when I first started doing it, the, really made my mind explode is that it goes way beyond their health. I mean, they really, they have transformed their life. Maybe they've gotten out of a bad marriage that they've been thinking about for a long time, but they, now they feel good enough or it's in there. It's really amazing what happens. Well, that's what's so great about the kind of coaching you do. And also about Sari's book is, you know, it raises our awareness and that's really a big part. So Traditionally speaking, people with ADHD, that's an area typically, unless they're diagnosed and treated, it usually is an area of challenge, a lack of awareness, because they're usually going 24-7 and their brains are going 24-7. Sometimes their bodies are going 24-7 and they have two switches, I used to say, on and off. So you're either awake and going at a fast pace. And so you're not often slowing down enough or pausing enough to think about what matters to me today. What's my real vision? What's my real goal? What do I really care about? What am I eating? How is my sleeping, right? Like all the things you work on with them. So I'm imagining that when they come to see you, they probably get to push pause and slow down in their work with you to be aware of some of the things that are causing some of their discomforts or ailments, and then also flip over to like, well, what would I love instead of that, right? It's it's so true. So many, and I'm sure this is true for your coaching, but so many people come to me because they do have a, usually it's a physical concern, right? Mm -hmm. And so they want to just dive right in and I go, well, wait a minute. First, we want to get a baseline, which requires them to notice. So that's really the starting point. Yes. Of getting a, where are you now? Yes. You know, even how you're feeling, your hydration, your before you even change anything, because it it's true for all of us. Yes. You know, you yes. think you know, right? Yes. But until you pause, none of us know, even without ADHD. That's I mean, right. We don't know, right? Right. We really don't know until we're really intentional about it. Well, that and also most of us don't know what we really want in our lives either in most areas of our lives because nobody asked us that, right? Growing up, people didn't say, hey, what would you love in all these different areas of your life? 
So I can't tell you how many times I ask people that and they say, I have no idea. So we start with all the things they're discontent about, whether it's their weight Mm -hmm. or their job or their relationships. And then from there, they kind of prioritize in advance what it is they really would love better results in. Right. So they and then they see the gap between where they are and where they want to go. And so I say my job is to help you get from here to here by following this, these principles and practices, not with advice. You know, I'm not going to say to you, you should do this with your life or you should do that with your life with, like I used to do in therapy sometimes. I tried not to, but sometimes. This is more coaching that you and I do that's transformational in that they get to decide what changes they want to make. So they start to notice what they're noticing and which things really matter the most to them. What are their priorities? What do they really care about? And then how would they be free if they made these changes? Yeah. Right. So when you talk about the discontent, frequently that is, that will be the list that comes up first yep. for most people, unless I, yep. I give them vocabulary to put it in the closet. But that's That's, that's true for all of us. It's much easier. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we start by being pushed by the pain of what's going wrong in life. Right. And it's because of the pain that they come to see me, quite frankly, many of them. Yes. And that was why they saw me for therapy. But the difference between what I did as a therapist and what I do as a coach is that in therapy, they're conditioned to come in and say, give me symptom relief from anxiety or ADHD or depression. And that's what I would try. I'd try to give them coping skills and they would go off and do, which was great. It's not a bad thing. It's just that in this type of coaching, what they're really looking for is what do I really, what kind of changes do I want to make based on what I would love rather than being fixed from a disorder or treated for certain symptoms. So instead of just getting symptom relief, it's a much bigger question of what do you really want in your life? Yeah, I'm so glad you said it that way, getting symptom relief, because I'm I'm lucky, I think, because they are coming to me for a health reason. So they've been usually, frequently, I should say, they've been to a lot of different practitioners. And they've dealt with the symptom, but they haven't dealt with the root cause. And the root cause can be, that's the thing, right? It can be much greater than something that's gone awry in your body. It could be triggered by any aspect of your life. So, Yeah. yeah and, it, so. And, and that those triggers can be so debilitating. You know, I'm thinking about a mutual coach we know who often talks publicly about how her gut problems kept her at home for years, kept her from, she wouldn't even go out with her friends anymore. And she was college age and Mm -hmm. she wouldn't apply for jobs or do anything outside of the house because she was so afraid about some gut issues. So Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. the health problems can affect every single area of your life, right? And as soon as she got got some things under control, that started to get better. Mm -hmm. So she came at it, her story was that she came at it from changing her thoughts because her thoughts were so debilitating and so anxiety from coming from a place of anxiety. But other people, you know, start to change what they eat or mm-hmm. their other health habits like sleep. And then they start getting help that way. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. And now it's so great that we know have so much more evidence to scientific evidence. Yeah. Saying how what we eat, how it does impact those microbes in your gut microbiome. That's right. Because there are more of them than that's right. 
Well, actually, that's being disputed now, but there are a lot of them. And they were here before we were. The microbiome? No, the was bacteria. Yeah. Well, the bacteria, oh, think okay. about it. When I read that, I thought, ooh, that's an interesting way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah. They're ancient. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was so excited that Sari wrote this book because I know she's a well-known author in the field of ADHD, especially with women. And I, I love the way she wrote it, but I also thought it was an endorsement of, some, of sorts for the type of work that you and I do in this world of transformational coaching and health coaching. And I really appreciated feeling like we have support from an expert in the field. Yeah, I just you can't believe what page I just opened to, <laughs> Teresa. What is that? Look at this page. So can I read yes, this? Yes, please. It's where she says, so this is, it's, it's the page trying on new dreams and it says compelling visions and a sense of purpose stimulate and activate us which is crucial for adults with adhd whose brains crave and require input that is highly stimulating that's why i love what i do yes me too by the way me too. exploring what gives us purpose, meaning, and future direction isn't just a bunch of feel-good fluff. Nope. Discovering what lights us up is imperative to regulating the ADHD brain. Yay. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. Love that. That's so true. Isn't that great? That's so true. So that's what we get to do for a living. That's why we love what we do, because we get to help people discover that within themselves instead of just thinking about what other people think they should be doing or what they're capable of doing, what they've heard, what their circumstances dictate. Because so many people that I've met over the last 30 years with ADHD, especially adults who have gone undiagnosed and especially women, are trying so hard to like fit into a mold and mm. what they think they're supposed to be doing or what other people's expectations are of them that they haven't even stopped paused long enough to ask the question of like, well, what do I care about? What do I want for my life? Like, what do I want to work on or focus my, what do I really care about focusing my attention on? It's sort of, I have to be honest with you. As a person living in a historical body, I still find that sort of amazing that that's still true for women. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm not saying uh, we have we've come a long way, but yeah. it's like we this, haven't. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't come that far. But in some but ways we have. The, in some ways we have. But yeah. But this just brings up, you talked about before how the way it presents in women is different than the way it presents in men. Yes. Maybe that's also part of the... Of what we experience as women in this world. I was just going to say that. Yeah. You're right. If you think about scenarios, work situations where maybe a male mm -hmm. has ADHD, it's so dismissed. It's, it's so written off as like, oh, they just have ADHD. So he, his secretary has to do it all. You know, I remember Ned Hollowell one time telling an audience when I was listening to him speak, you know, that he has he learned how to hire really great staff. And since I worked there for six years, can I just tell you that's true? Like, so he had he had until very recently a clinical director who had been in this office I worked in for well over a decade. And she knew exactly how to run things so that he looked good and made it smooth, mm -hmm. everything in his life smooth. And so did many other people who work there. 
So that's, think about our society. How many people are the CEOs? They're usually males, right? They can, they can hire all the staff to help with those things. Women are kind of clawing their way up still, right? And when they do get to the top, I think they're often treated like they sh should know how to do all these other things. But some of the differences in, in men and women, you know, you and I were talking one day and I was saying my husband and I are a good example. I don't know if this is just men and women or just people with ADHD can have very different symptoms that look nothing alike. So I was giving you an example about time has always been a challenge for me and being late, whereas my husband is super early for everything. But the thing about like losing your keys and misplacing things, never been a problem for me. I put things in the same place all the time because I learned at a young age that if I didn't create that habit, that I would lose things. So that's never been a problem. To this day, he still doesn't put his wallet or his keys in the same place and is looking frantically around. You know, so I think that men also more often have the impulsivity and the hyperactivity, but I don't think it's as frowned upon or shamed as much as it is for women. I do think that many men I know have tried to conceal it in the workplace, don't get me wrong. But I feel like, I don't know, boys will be boys is another example. You know, I know mm -hmm. you were a teacher in an earlier life, and so yeah. I was a school social worker, and when those boys would get referred to my office, they'd be, oh, yeah, he just has hyperactivity, and it's kind of written off. But if I would say a female in the classroom might need some accommodations because I think she's having a hard time staying focused, Often it was, mm -hmm. oh, she's just ditzy. She's just one Rush. of those, you know, she's off in outer space. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's perfectly smart and capable. She just doesn't care that much. She did fine on yesterday's test, but then she failed today because she doesn't care. What the teacher mm -hmm. is describing to me are symptoms of the inattentive ADHD, which is mm -hmm. maybe yesterday's test was a topic she really understood or enjoyed and mastered easily. Whereas today, it might have been something she missed details on. Mm -hmm. And like I said in the beginning, the hallmark of ADHD is you're consistently inconsistent. So, and mm -hmm. that's what frustrates right. a lot of the people. So, you know, males and females can look differently. Females are more often inattentive type than males are. I'm even thinking for one of my daughters that even you're, as a female, how you look physically yeah. can be used as an excuse for, oh, no, she's just an airhead. Yeah, that's a very common one. That is a very common one. And so girls will just get dismissed as being flighty yeah. or spacey. Whereas if the hyperactive boy is going to get treated quicker because his behaviors in the classroom, for example, disrupt others. So there's a reason mm -hmm. to focus on him. But also yeah. it's not as, it's just not as kind of shunned as it is for girls. I'm not sure how that was in the beginning, but I think it's been forever that we just kind of expect boys to be more impulsive and more hyper. And we mm -hmm. allow for that. We allow for that. Yeah. The physicality. Yeah. yeah. Whereas girls. Yeah. So that's why the girls with the combined type of ADHD or just the hyperactive type, they don't get nearly the passes, at least in my experience of working with them, that the boys get because of the boys will be boys mentality. But when a girl starts acting like that, I think it's uh, off-putting because we don't expect it. Our culture is right. more set up for girls to behave in a different way. <laughs> and that's why we're trying at the age of 40, 50, 60 and above to mask and cover 
those behaviors that are not easy for us to contain. So I'm curious, Teresa, when you were diagnosed, since you actually were diagnosed, were you given any dietary um, advice on what to stay away from or what might help you or what might hurt you? Yeah, that's a great question. Or didn't they know back then? Yep, no, that's a great question. So let's see, it was probably... 15 years ago, between 15 and 20 years ago, that I took one of our kids to the Hollowell Center to get diagnosed. And through that process, I I diagnosed myself, but then the therapist there confirmed it. But what they had there that I thought was so brilliant back then is they hired a nutritionist or a dietitian who took me grocery shopping one day. She said, I'm going to I'm going to walk through the grocery store and I'm going to have you show me what you typically buy. And then I'm going to show you what would be a healthier alternative to that to see if I can get mm-hmm. you to just make these mild, little tiny shifts. Oh, right? That was so smart. So smart. smart. So smart. Yeah. I, she didn't last that long. I don't know what happened, but they should have continued that service because that really kept me hooked in. So that was one experience. And I remember her telling me for my own sake and my daughter's sake that often gluten can be a, a source of problem for kids mm-hmm, with ADHD. Definitely. And now we know that. Now we know that. And she said, added to anything with extra additives, all the sugar additives okay. and the extra things that go into the colorings to foods were really bad. And so then when I was there, Barry Sears did uh, the zone diet and he came in and teamed up with Hollowell and Dr. Sorgi. And I was part, my daughter was part of their experiment for 20, 12 weeks to see it was four months. Is that right? Four, eight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three, 12 weeks is three, three months, months. Three months. That's how long it was. And they did a pre, mid, and post testing. And they took kids with ADHD and or anxiety, depression mixed in there. And they said, you can choose whether or not you're going to stay on or off your medication. doesn't matter. We just want you to take these high doses of really good quality fish oil, omega-369. Mm-hmm a certain Mm -hmm. type, and we want you to cut out white flour and white sugar and add Mm -hmm. more protein and uh, fruits and vegetables, good protein, good fats, and more fruits and vegetables. And that diet, I I remember my daughter saying she felt better than she ever had. She had stopped her meds and didn't want to go back. And she wanted me to do it with her, so I did. And I felt the same way she did. I felt amazing. Um, I didn't cut out every type of sugar, but we cut it, cut it out dramatically, the white stuff. And um, yeah. we added in a lot more fruits and vegetables. And just that alone and taking the fish oil every day, the fish oil I still to this day say is a huge benefit for the ADHD brain. That's so interesting what you said, because I think maybe because of the neuro, the different wiring in our brains that one could say, I suppose, at least I feel this way. The food like gluten, I cannot eat regular bread. I mean, it it's shocking how quickly me too. it gives me foggy brain. It's like, me oh. too. All of my kids have reported this. Every kid in my family yeah, has reported this. It's shocking. Yep. Yeah. But the reality is that the diet that you've been prescribed is what's a healthy diet for all of us. Yes. It does that we get triggered more. We're more sensitive short of having a celiac or, you know, having a diagnosed food sensitivity, right? Yeah. There is one bread, though. I just want to share this with you yes. in case you don't know it. So there's one bread that I do not react to, 
and which I know a doctor who I take a lot of courses with, Dr. Bullsmith, recommends, and it works for me, What's- and that is sourdough. But it has to be a clean sourdough. What is You know, can only have the wheat, the water, the salt, the starter. That's it. Nothing else. Do you have a brand that you know is clean? Well, it depends where you live because I do have a bakery here that makes it. But there's and there's also a brand that's it's made in Hyannis, Avignon. I don't know if you get that. No. Where you live in Massachusetts. No. But that's a clean brand. You just just it's only going to have three ingredients. So what are the three ingredients? We 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 water salt, and I may say it has the starter, the culture, because it's fermented. You see, uh-huh. so it has probiotics. Oh, that's what makes fermented. it not so. so we know you? fermented food is really good for you. So got it. Well, my son will be happy because that's his favorite kind of bread, and everybody in my family, except for my husband, has tried to really come off of gluten for the very reason you yeah. said. They all noticed that. It does make yeah. their brain fog worse, but it also causes GI stuff. So GI symptoms. Yep. Yeah, I don't have those. I just have the brain. Yes. I don't know what that is. And we don't need brain fog if we have ADD. No, that's for sure. As <laughs> we age, stay away from that. We need clear. That's what I tell everybody. Fish oil is like good brain food. Yeah. Why alone should food. make you take it? So, wow, that was really interesting. I never heard that about sourdough bread. We've just been yeah, I, free bread, which tastes horrible in my opinion. Yeah, no, and and yeah, yeah, it does taste horrible. But, you know, no, this is the re- the real deal. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Excellent. Do you find that you're impulsive, or do you? I can be. It's it's not my. Um, well, I will tell you one other symptom that I've worked a lot on, other than the time management, is so. This is a form of impulsivity that often gets missed in both males and females with with ADHD is the excessive talking. So that used to be an issue for me that especially I'm thinking about middle school and high school and college, I would often get in groupings of people. That's where you really Mm -hmm. see ADHD show up is when you're in a group setting. Oh, yeah. Girls are known for what what do we do? We gossip, we do small talk, we chitter chatter, right? Mm -hmm. So I would find it so boring. So incredibly boring to listen to. You'd have side conversations. Well, I would either interrupt people or cut them off, right? I would do that behavior. Or I would just get distracted. And then when they would ask a question, it would be so obvious that I wasn't paying attention to what anybody was talking about, right? Or I would be a big blurter. Like I would just blurt out what I was thinking. And I didn't have a very good filter, right? So a thought would come and then it would come right out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that well, you don't want to lose it. Well, that's right. Because the other thing is, I'd be afraid if I didn't say it, I'd forget it. Exactly. Yeah. You but one of the things that Sari talks about in her book that I so value and appreciate is the the power of pause, and how to push pause if you're somebody with ADHD, mm-hmm. regardless of which type you have. I think it's really good to hit pause, and to ask about how do I want to be in this setting. You know, what is my goal here? My, I have one adult child who really struggles with being tangential. You know, she goes from one top, she'll start off and I know she's got a point, but she's then in two seconds, she's gone on to four other points. And I'll always say to her, go back to what you wanted me to know and tell me that first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then, then we'll see if we need to talk about the other points. 
You know, and at home I yeah. used to, as this sounds mean, but I used to time her and say, you have 30 seconds to get to your point because otherwise you've lost my attention. I'm too bored <laughs> going on all your tangents with you. So she would get really angry with me, but I, I noticed that she got better over the years at getting to the point faster. And mm -hmm. that was something mm -hmm. that I've had to work on a lot in my life too, is just cutting back some of the chatter and listening better to other people, especially when I'm in a group setting, finding, finding my focus there, finding a way to stay interested. And mm -hmm. knowing that even if I'm not interested, doesn't mean I have to say anything. <laughs> I could actually stand or sit in silence, right? That's a lot more sociably acceptable. <laughs> well, so. well, I think, too, it's a physical sensation in your body of being at peace, just taking a breath and, and being calm yes. in your body. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Sari talks a lot about that in meditation, which... Mm -hmm. You know, I, mm -hmm. I use a lot with the people I coach. They're always yeah. starting off with their wins and their successes and they're pausing and they're breathing and they're meditating because all of those activities help us to stay focused in the present and to stay focused on our vision and on positive things and where we want to go instead of just letting circumstances and other people pull us in all these different directions. It's interesting. I was reading, or maybe I listened to a podcast. Dan Harris. Have you heard? It? Yeah. No, so I haven't. He, I heard it. Oh, so he. I don't want to misquote. I think he was an ABC newscaster, but his story. I saw him speak in public decades, a long time ago, and he was so disarming. He was great because he was talking about meditation, mm -hmm. and he's very funny. And he, and he starts putting these slides up of people and being dressed a certain way and looking a certain way. And, you know, what's on magazine covers yes. all the time. Goes, well, I don't like no interest in that. But then he had a, a panic attack on live TV. Oh, I and he realized, oh, my gosh, because he was working extraordinary hours. Anyway, I have to do something. This is not good. Help. Oh. And then he got assigned to go to some ashram someplace and do a, a article, which he didn't want. But fast forward, I don't know how many years ago that was, 10 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago. He, he wrote, this, is, this really caught my attention. He wrote, I think our attention is a public health issue. And I think that meditation or being present is something that we will soon be hearing a lot more about in the public health sphere. And of course, in regards to social media and sure. electronics, just the speed of, yeah. Well, because wherever you focus your attention, that's where you create most of your results. So your attention and your beliefs about things. So if I if I'm watching the news all day, every day, whether it's on social exactly. media, the TV, and all I'm hearing is about bombings and global warming and the economy's so bad and war is happening everywhere, then that's where my thought, my attention is going to go to all the things that are wrong and that are catastrophically wrong with our world. And it's going to put me in a state of feeling depressed. And then my behaviors going forward, whatever I'm doing next will probably not be on any different caliber than a depressed state, right? Because right. 
Right. That's where I focus my attention. And so that's why for the, whether you have ADHD or not, I think this is important, but especially those with ADHD who are struggling with noticing where their attention goes, mm. this is why it matters. It really matters that you know what you're paying attention to because what you're paying attention to is giving you results. Whether you like them or not, you need to notice them right. so you can decide right. You can then decide, do I want to put my attention in that direction or in that direction? Right. right? I mean, he was a silly example of that I want yeah. to ask you. I had a full morning. It's great. A lot of things going on. And I walk by this little table that's by my front door. Yeah. And I see this, this postcard that was addressed to my neighbor, but it came into my mailbox. Yep. I start picking it up as if I'm going to go outside and put it in the mailbox. Like, Sarah, no, this is not on the agenda right now. <laughs> But that's how it happens sometimes so quickly to me, physically, that I'm picking up something and moving. It's like, what? I can relate to that. I can really relate to that. Can you relate to that? Yes, because one of the and Sari addresses this in her book about knowing your priorities in advance. That's how she phrases it. Because the vision is so good. It's so true. Like, so what I I created a mantra for myself about 10 years ago that, Two of them. One said, the matter in which you do, the order in which you do things matters greatly, Teresa, because it does. And then I would ask myself, so if I could feel the sidetrack, right, being pulled here, being pulled here, I'm supposed to be working on a paper and yet, oh, maybe I'll wash the dishes or clean out this cabinet, right? So then I started to ask myself, does this have to be done right now, right now? And so Sari takes it even a step further in her book by saying, and this is what I do in coaching a lot now too, is like, that's why notice what your priorities are. Notice what your values are. What do you care most about? And then we're going to write those down and make sure they're in your calendar and then set reminders, you know, so that if you do get distracted, oh, is that a priority for today? So that's why it helped me to say, does that have to be done right now? Do I have to leave my house right this second to put this postcard in my neighbor's right. mailbox because it was mistakenly delivered to me, right? right. right. So, right. no, you don't have to do it right no. that second. No, and I didn't do it, but I, and I thought, and I don't want to do it, so why am I even picking it up? Because I really do want to do these other things that... Because our, because yeah. our brains are Which wired... Which are our priorities. Yep, our yeah. brains are wired to not, just like yeah. we don't always know the passing of time, we don't know what our priorities are. And we also don't have forward thinking. We don't think in advance. So most people, when they plan out their day or their week or their month or their year, they're always thinking ahead. People without ADHD naturally think ahead and then they can move backwards. We have to be told to do that and then kind of coached each step. But that's why I love the vision work because I'm going to three years from now, what do you want your life to be like? And then, so if it's like that in three years, what's it going to be like in two years, one year, six months, three months, right? That's a lot easier, right? But you have to keep bringing it to the person's attention and asking what are, what do you want your priorities to be? I have one other question. So if you could go back, all right, let's say 30 years, okay, 30 years and give your different aged younger self. (laughs) My 32 year old. Yes. You're 32 year old. Yeah. Some of my, whoa, 32. Yeah. 32. That's an interesting. 
they're all in. Part of me wanted to say, what, what would it be? Yeah, part of me wanted to say, don't have kids, but I wouldn't say that. I really do love my no. kids. <laughs> but boy, does that make life challenging once you throw kids in the picture, right? And you have ADHD. No, what I seriously would say to my younger self is that it's, it's all okay. Like ADHD does not define me, mm. right? It, it, it does make certain things more challenging, but I also have a lot of strengths. And some of the things that I've been complimented on over the years, personality-wise, have to do with spontaneity and humor and wit and fun to be with. And some people have said, I like that you speak your mind. And a lot of clients in therapy used to say, I like that you're direct and you just say it like you see it. So I would tell my younger self, learn how to look for your strengths and embrace those. And just pick one or two of the challenges, one or two to work on that matter to you, not to please other people, but just because right. you want them to improve because there's something that great that will happen when you master them a little bit better than you have so far. So I wouldn't take myself so seriously and I wouldn't be so focused on what's wrong with me. I'd, I'd be saying, look at what's right with you. Move in, right. move in that direction. One challenge, yeah. Don't, yeah. Yes, uh, yes, it's yeah, okay to take on the challenges, yeah. but don't, don't just focus on the diagnosis or a whole cluster of symptoms or put meaning to it, like I'm not good enough or I'm less than other people or I can't do these things. I can do lots of things, especially the ones I want, right? So right. put your attention there. That's what I would have told myself. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk thank to me you. today. you. This was so fun. so much fun. Yeah. And I love this book. It really was very enlightening. I really learned a lot. Me too. Me too. This was fun. We'll have to have more conversations in the future. See what people want to hear about. But thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. For over 25 years, I was a teacher. And one of my greatest joys in life is seeing people light up when they have an aha moment. It is pure magic. I've now combined teaching with my knowledge of health into live workshops. I teach throughout the country about gut health and how to transform your health. If you'd like to know when I'll be in your city, subscribe to my newsletter in the description of this podcast.